The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com. Our country, the noblest country in the history of men, was based on the principle of individualism, the principle of man's inalienable rights. It was a country where a man was free to seek his own happiness, to gain and produce, not to give up and renounce, to prosper, not to starve, to achieve, not to plunder, to hold as his highest possession a sense of his personal value, and as his highest virtue, his self-respect. And that holding yourself as your own personal value and valuing your own self-respect, your mind requires that you hold the right ideas. It requires that you don't feel like you have to be a slave to other people, that you have to always live in the shadows of uh, you name it in your life, whether it's an alcoholic brother or a neighbor that you don't like, but you feel you have to support or parents who've been mean to you, you're obviously going to support the people emotionally and sometimes even financially that you adore, whom you value. But it really matters what ideas you hold. The wrong ideas will mess you up, will give you a lot of anxiety. And my goal on this show is to help you get, help you see the value of of thinking clearly, of having rational ideas. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and the show is The Rational Basis of Happiness. And that drop was from The Fountainhead. That's a book written by Ayn Rand, A-Y-N-R-A-N-D. She also wrote one of the most popular books, uh, which is Atlas Shrugged. It is a phenomenal book. It changed my life. It changed many people's lives. I went back and got a PhD after reading it. And she's phenomenal. So I'm, again, Dr. Ellen Kenner. And right now I want to turn to the phone lines. I'm a clinical psychologist. And welcome, Alyssa. Alyssa, you're having some troubles with trust? Um, yes. Yeah. I have actually... It's sort of a complicated situation. Okay. I had dated some terrible, terrible people in the past. That would take hours to talk about. Okay. But I met someone that, you know, he's wonderful and encouraged me to finish school and, and you know, do all these things that I, I needed to do. And yet, for some reason with him, knowing that he's good, it's like I trust him less than I did the people that I knew were terrible. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not sure why that's happening. And I also have noticed that, here in just the last couple of years, I've developed a really difficult time dealing with change and trusting, you know, that things will be okay. And I just feel kind of overwhelmed by all these different fears that I'm having. It's almost like I'm addicted to them. To fear. So basically, you're anticipating that something negative is going to happen in my life. When the, good, when the going gets good, watch exactly. out because you never know when you turn the page of another day when a person can hurt you or something bad can happen so so you're living with a policy in your mind if you want to call it a rule or just a standing order in your mind that says be careful when when the going gets good something bad can happen right and you have some facts that didn't come out of nowhere right you dated some people and they did stab you in the back Right. Well, I think it comes from a lot of past. You know, I grew up um, in a long line of watching domestic abuse happen to my grandmother and my mother. And then as I began to date, you know, I tried to find as far opposite from that as I could. And what was happening is, is rather than finding the opposite, I was ending up attracting all these, I guess, kind of scuzzy people a lot, you know, a lot of liars. And there was a long 
very long um, dating situation where I thought I was going to get married to this person. And then I found out, actually, of all stories on the day of my mother's funeral, that he had been cheating for two and a half years out of, you know, what was almost a six-year relationship. Yeah. And I just think that I've come to, like, I've gotten so negative, I've come to anticipate the worst. And I'm like that not only in my relationships, but, um, you know, with my home life and my job and stuff, too. With your home life and with your daughter? Is that what you with said? With my job. Oh, with your job, too. Yes. That you fear the worst. With the job, what are you fearing will happen? Um, well, to be honest with you, I'm not as happy in my job as I thought I would be. Um, I love the work that I do, but there's a lot of politics involved. And it, I had originally gone to college to be a teacher, and um, I had trouble getting jobs when I graduated because there weren't any openings, so I ended up working for a library system, and it's very low pay, but I work these long hours. Okay, um, but you're not fearing the worst then. That's a little different. That's, you're well, saying that... I, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I fear, rather than what's happening in the job, I fear moving on from that job. It's almost as though I'm afraid to, like, apply for different jobs because, you know, it's something different, and it could be worse than where I'm at, or it could be better, you know, I could be Right, so part of what you're facing is the real fact that life involves risk. Right. And if if you give yourself the anticipation that you want to reduce all risk in life, Mm -hmm. then you will reduce all what? What will you reduce? By reducing risk. Right. If if I were to reduce all risk, I wouldn't want to drive on the roads because who knows what can happen, Right. Right. I wouldn't want to necessarily eat certain foods because who knows what can happen. I might not want to date anybody because who knows what can happen. I, if you don't, if you are afraid of taking any, if you don't recognize a real fact that life involves risks, you can apply for a new job and not get it. If you don't acknowledge that, then you'll drive yourself batty. Whereas if you say life involves reasonable risks and I can apply for a job while holding on to my current job, assuming you wouldn't lose it in the process of applying and, you know, them wanting recommendations, but I can apply for a job and you could have a different policy. My husband's policy when dating was nothing ventured, nothing gained. How does that differ from avoid risk, avoid hurt? Um, it doesn't really. Well, nothing ventured, meaning if he does, go ahead. Oh, just prevents you from gaining anything. Right. When I first went back to school, I didn't know whether I would ever get into college. So I was realistic. I gave myself five years to be rejected. I knew I was older. I was going back to school after having been out of uh, college for many years. And I didn't know if that I would ever get accepted into a Ph.D. program. Come on. I had to take the graduate record exams. I didn't know if I would do well on those. So I did my best. I studied for the grad rec exams. I applied to school. I did not get into the only school in my area that I could go to the first year. And so I called them up and asked them, you know, what could I do the following year to get in? So I'm doing something a little different, which is what? You're going after it rather than just waiting for it. Right. And what? Could, yeah. And how could that help you in terms of the job? Then we'll go back to boyfriends. Um. Well, I think if I don't apply for a job and you know risk, 
I guess what I'm doing is by not taking that chance, I'm not finding out that there could be better out there. I'm there could be better. By avoiding the pain of failing, you avoid success too. Right. This is what a good job search sound looks like. Rejection, 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 and I could have a whole page of rejections, and then at the end of that page it ends with acceptance, meaning all I need is one acceptance. I can apply to 20 jobs, and if 19 reject me but the 20th accepts me and I like the job, then I'm a success. So it's how do you, what do you say to yourself when you, in quotes, get rejected? If you make it an identity issue, oh my God, this means I'm no good, or there's something wrong with me, if you know that's not accurate, don't play that game with yourself. Just say, I know I'm a good person, and they probably had many applicants. I don't know what their thinking is. With dating, you want to have that view of, are you still there, Alyssa? I am. Okay. With the dating, you want to definitely look at how you selected the guys in the past because you want a different method of selecting. If you have a good guy now, enjoy it. If you're always looking around the corner, it will make you and him anxious, and this is much easier said than done. Right. You can always go to a cognitive therapy website, academyofct.org. Okay. And that may help give you some ideas on books to read, on couples skills, um, and looking at self-talk. What you say to yourself really matters because if you say something like, enjoy this relationship, it's long in coming, you'll have a different attitude. When you've been burned, it's hard to do that. So thank you so much for the call, and um, I wish you the best. And coming up, we'll be talking with a... Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Ellen Kenner and co-authored Edwin Locke. Unreasonable resistance involves manufacturing ploys to avoid thinking or evading the subject. I'm right, you're wrong, period. Unreasonable resistance means your partner is not simply misunderstanding you, but also refusing to understand you, refusing to grant validity to your carefully reasoned arguments, refusing to acknowledge relevant facts, refusing to consider alternatives, refusing to focus on solving the problem at all. Refusing to use ways to rationally compromise means your partner is beyond reason, is evading the facts, and is acting on the basis of some irrational emotion, such as fear. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com and buy it at amazon.com.